Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome to Nightlight. We want to thank Ken Quiethawk for that amazing intro and um, ask you to, to check him out on the Internet. He's a native storyteller, and he and his wife, Deb, have done an amazing job of preserving history and tradition through their storytelling. It's a fascinating history. Mark has a great couple of guests on tonight, so sit back and, and get ready to be totally, absolutely entertained. Mark, show's all yours. Great. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Barbara, how how are you uh, doing this week? Doing very, very well. Thank you. Okay, good. I met our guests over the last couple of years at the Rod Serling Twilight Zone conferences. Uh, This past year, we uh, spent a lot of time together, and they took – great care of me being so far from home and by myself. Um, the group of international friends that formed during those conferences have an amazing array of talents like Shelley Young, Tom Elliott, and a couple uh, guys from Ireland. Um, we may recognize names of radio shows like Amos and Andy, Fibber McGee and Molly, but what was it about the shows that uh, made their re- names recognizable uh, 60, 70 years later? Uh, why is the Twilight Zone series being remade again? Uh, many people prefer vinyl records over CDs. It, since we're in the information age and surrounded by technology, what is the popularity of looking to art from our grandparents' generation? So for tonight's look at history, we have hosts from Radio Once More, Helen and Johnny Holmes. Hi, Helen and Johnny. How are you? Hey, how are you doing? We're doing good. Hello, Mark. Great to be here. Uh, we are glad you, uh, you're here, and uh, you know, just 
Johnny, clarify for the listeners. Uh, you're not the uh, porn star, are you? Um, no. No, but Helen is married to him. Yes, I am. <laughs> I, okay. I, 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 you'd be surprised how many times that uh, comes up in conversation. Okay, well, it's uh, <laughs> just, just, just happen to have the same name. Okay, just – okay. So, um, okay. Um, let's see. Maybe we should start with one of the commercials you played a couple weeks ago on your show, RadioOnceMore.com. There's a gratuitous plug. Uh, Neil, the big boss, said he'd pay me Thank for you. each plug out of his hefty <laughs> out of stimulus pay? check. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, you, know, you work at you know, the uh, New Jersey uh, uh, Uncollected Tax Department. And, and, That's you know, me. Yeah, and I, I happened to you know, when I was there in New Jersey, uh, I happened to. Leave twenty million dollars laying around. Could, could you send that to me? Only if it has your social birth date and you send an ID and prove it's yours. Oh, okay. Was... <laughs> Nothing's and free, and it's not necessarily oh. unclaimed tax. It's unclaimed property, which is any type of monetary item you may have misplaced. Mm, okay. Well, that. Okay. So and, we'll, uh, and once you collect it, uh, you know you can stop by with my buddies because then you can pay the taxes on it. There you go. <laughs> That's how it works. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to pay taxes on it, but we do give you interest. Well, if the interest is taxable, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. on twenty million dollars, you just a hefty Ooh, amount baby. of interest. So. Okay. Well, uh, depending on right. when you left it, I think you'll walk away clearing a dollar ninety-eight. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So and with we'll, that, you can enter the beauty shop, the yeah. beauty, the beauty uh, thing for the dollar ninety-eight beauty contest. Okay, uh, we could uh, remember get, that get into the Gong Show as well. <laughs> yeah, I think they were on about the same yes, same time were. after school. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, but uh, you know, uh, it, you know, one of the commercials you played gave me the idea to illustrate some. Uh, points you know, will develop over uh, the evening. Uh, you, know, you played the uh, Armor Hot Dogs uh, theme song. You know, the hot dogs, mm-hmm. Armor Hot Dogs. What kinds of kids eat Armor yeah. Hot Dogs? Fat kids, skinny kids, kids who climb on rocks. Yeah, uh, even kids with chicken pox. Yeah. <laughs> now you got all these you know, listeners saying, oh my gosh, I can't get that song out of my head. But uh, that was the idea, Mark. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's you know those jingles and commercials from like 50 years ago. Uh, um, you know, we, we could still sing along with them, except for Carlisle Rachel, who's only 29. But yeah, you know, there there's something that just stuck. It, in our minds with, with, with those uh, songs when we're little, you know, just coming home from school and you get these kind of commercials. On. I, I, you know, that's some of the uh, old time radio stuff you play on, on, on your show. 
you know, what are those uh, commercials doing you know, 50, you know, 40, 50 years later when we hear them? You know, what is it, how does that nostalgia I- impact us? What, uh, what does it mean to humans to have that memory from so long ago? Well, when you talk about these, these like classic you know, commercial jingles and, and ads and right along with the, with the radio shows and you mentioned television, uh, classic TV shows, all this that we you know, categorize in the world of nostalgia, I like to say this is actually it, – it works in, in a similar manner like a time machine. You know, when we, when we hear these jingles, we hear uh, these old radio shows or, or songs or watch these old TV shows or cartoons. You know, there's just all this is filed away in our mind. And when we hear the, you know, you mentioned the Armor Hot Dog jingle, it'll take you back, you know, when you were a kid. You remember maybe listening to that jingle on the radio or seeing the um, television spot. Maybe on a Saturday afternoon, and you go back to go, oh, yeah, and Dad would fire up the grill, and and you think about how basic the grills were back in the 60s and 70s, not the, real, not the real big fancy ones they have now with side burners and all that. And, <laughs> but you look back with fondness, you know, uh, your parents are still alive in your mind, and you're thinking about how good the burgers tasted, and how how much fun and it's just a very nice nostalgic moment and that's the beauty of these programs it instantly puts you back then and i that's i guess that's why i've immersed myself in nostalgia i just love tapping into those memories into that good feeling um i've told you in the past i really don't watch any current television at all I'm strictly a nostalgia person. I watch old TV shows. I listen to old time radio shows. I watch cartoons and old movies and, and I really don't watch anything new. And I even watch very little news, although lately maybe a little more with the current situation, just to know whether I can step outside or not, basically. (laughs) But, uh, and I'm, I'm a much happier person in doing that. I know some people have said, you know, you don't watch any news, you know, how do you know what's going on? And I freely admit, I say, okay, I understand I'm, I'm an ostrich. I live the ostrich life. I stick my head in the sand and all that. And, and I listen to the armor hot dog jingle, but I'm a happy, I'm a happy ostrich. So that's kind of my answer to that. But yeah, all these bring back wonderful memories, you know, back when your parents or grandparents were still alive. And mm-hmm. it's nice to, to kind of remember that again. And and it brings a little smile to your face, and that's why I, I love it so much. I, I I have a steady diet of nostalgia every day, probably close to twenty four seven actually. That's right. Okay, and you know, there's all out of all the commercials that have been made that have uh, aired on TV for. Um, what the last seventy some years when you know whenever TV was invented, um, you know, pro, you know, you get a few that are the most memorable, like that. Uh, uh, what was it, like the presidential campaign with the nuclear bomb? 
uh, going on is that uh, for the like 1968. Yeah, I think that uh, was Goldwater. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, that one you get the dancing cigarette packs, uh-huh. but it, you know probably the one that maybe most of uh, tonight's listeners would remember is the, you know the, the the car driving by and they throw the uh, garbage out of the window and you have the Native American uh, uh, just look at you know kind of like a d- disgust with those driving uh, past him and, and he has the uh, tear running down his cheek and that that has to be one of the most uh, memorable commercials ever made. Yeah, I agree with you. That's probably one of the most famous uh, public service uh, spots uh, ever. Um, They ran a whole series of those about pollution, and they had a top-notch announcer, William Conrad. Talk about old-time radio. William Conrad played Matt Dillon on the radio version of Gunsmoke and did lots of other radio. He was very prolific in radio he can be heard in many shows and then he did move on the tv and most of us probably remember him playing frank cannon on television but they used his um powerful voice to really add that extra punch to the visuals with the um as you said the native american indian and and the people throwing the trash out and and that that one wonderful tear streaming down wonder how many takes that took just to get it right (laughs) Right, yeah, and and that's um, you know, like you just mentioned, William Conrad's uh, voice was used in, in that commercial, and, and you know that's one of the nice things about your show on radio. Once more, is uh, you get some some of these uh, behind the scenes type information. Uh, where you know we may you know kind of forget you know the image uh, remains with us you may kind of forget the voice but you know know, in in many occasions you you know when you and Helen are on there uh, Neil uh, you're able to to develop that commercial or explain more about the shows that uh, we may forget, you know, make other connections with, you know, this guy was in this episode or on the commercial, but he was also on this episode of, you know, you know, just say, uh, you know, the twilight zone and would go on the Brady Bunch, you know, something like that. And, and that's one of the interesting aspects of, what you two do. Well, thank you. And yes, in fact, when we do our, uh, in addition to our show at uh, Radio Once More, it actually started from we do a series of coffee shop presentations at a coffee shop in, in beautiful downtown Mount Holly, New Jersey, as we put it. And every other month, we put together a, a theme, and it's an old-time radio presentation. We'll play three episodes from the Golden Age of Radio. And we'll give just a little brief introduction. You know, I don't pass myself off as a, a historian or an expert. I'm just a fan. So I just do a very basic thumbnail sketch of the series, mm-hmm. and then we'll play it. 
And then what I try to do, um, kind of like what you were leading up to, Mark, is when this when the show's over, uh, to tie, you know, maybe some of the actors, actresses in in the uh, episode that we just played. I I try to find a connection to something that the the people at the coffee shop know. And many times it's, you know, maybe cartoon voices or maybe a part in a movie or something to that effect. And I'll say, you know, you heard in this episode Mel Blank. Of course, Mel Blank later on, you know, did the voice of Bugs Bunny and Barney Rubble and, and, and so forth. And I try to make that bridge so that people go, oh, okay, that's where, you know, it sounded familiar. Or another great example is the actor Joseph Kearns, very big in radio. He was the announcer on Suspense for a while, and he was on the Jack Benny show a lot. He was very, very busy in, during the days of radio. But most of us know Joseph Kearns as playing Mr. Wilson on the TV series Dennis the Menace. So I, I have a little clip where I play Joseph Kearns and Dennis the Menace, you know, and he's usually, usually frustrated and goes, oh, great Scott. But that's Joseph Kearns. Okay, and when Helen, you uh, Johnny said he's not uh, watching a lot of news. Um, do, do, Do you see the uh, you know, you know, just say watching the Three Stooges. It, uh, you know, not really watching a lot of um, the most current uh, TV shows. Is certainly. <laughs> um, you know, it's not really anti. Future, uh, uh, do, do you, uh, uh, you know, there is a security of, you know, watch, uh, watching you know, these older shows, but you know, they did create uh, some templates um, for you know what we do on our uh, shows, but you know. Uh, how, how do you how do you view uh, you know all this nostalgia and um, you know kind of lo- looking more backwards towards um, you know these older shows? You know, th- does it help you move forward with uh, fresh ideas? I think it does. Um... I myself also like to watch the older shows like on me TV and yeah. decades and things like that. I, of course, I, I love the stooges. So, uh, Johnny was very, Johnny was very happy with that when we met. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. <laughs> but I think too, when you're, you know, watching nostalgia shows, it just takes your mind off what's going on currently. Um, I mean, right now the news is they're all saying the same thing all the time, every time you watch it. So sometimes you just need a break uh, from hearing all that. I'm working from home now, so I don't really get to watch the news because I'm working from 8 to 4. Um, so uh, You listen to all-time radio. Yes, I do. Good I, choice. I have, uh, we have an internet radio in the kitchen. I listen to that. 
Um, you get lucky. You hear me sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. By the way, Mark, we're, we're, I'm on right now as we speak. I just was downstairs, and uh, Radio Once More is playing a series that I host called The Investigators. So isn't that neat? I'm on two internet radio stations simultaneously. There you go. Um, are you are you live on the other one too? No, uh, that 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 would be something really. Rem- yeah, that's go- going back to. Uh, I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's pre-recorded. Oh, okay. Um, so that's that's in the can, so to speak. It's, but it's a, a series called The Investigators, and uh, I was funny. I said, "Oh, neat," because I was before I came up here and connected with you. I got a cup of coffee, and. Uh, you know, I said, "Oh, the investigators is on. How 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 convenient." <laughs> then, of course, we are on every Wednesday from nine to midnight, and every other week of those Wednesdays, we are live. So the other week, we have a a uh, uh, variety pack of uh, pre-recorded old time radio. Right. We put together what we call the Holmesy Hall of Fame, and I really enjoyed putting those together. Um, that's the non-live week, but it's like Helen says, uh, we kind of package it as a variety pack of old-time radio because old-time radio fans have different likes and dislikes. Like the big boss, Neil, Neil Ellis, for example, he's just not a big fan of the scary stuff. You know, I mean, I, I, I love the scary shows, you know, Lights Out, you know, one of my favorites, Hall of Fantasy, Suspense, and we always try to play one of those on every one of our shows and mm-hmm. and it's just not Neil's thing, you know, whenever I play one and he gets a little homesy. Yeah, he gets a little upset. So <laughs> <laughs> but um the the Homesy Hall of Fame, it's it's six shows. We usually have about two comedies. We throw a drama in there. We throw either a sci fi slash adventure. Um uh, we also have a Western and as I said, I end it with a Holmesy haunt. <laughs> And it's you know, okay. Speaking of the Holmesy haunts, uh, you got me, um, you know, listen to the, the uh, lighthouse one mm. with that, that got uh, three skeleton uh, key. Yeah, 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 that that one with the uh, uh, rats at the inundate the. Uh, lighthouse at the end. Uh, okay, uh, that that one could be found on YouTube, right? Oh yeah, that's you can find that quite easily, and that's a classic one uh, starring Vincent Price. Everyone loves him. We've played that many times. We played it at our very first coffee shop presentation, and that's going back close to seven years. October of 2012 was when we did our very first well, – when we do these coffee shop presentations, we call it an evening of old-time radio, and we have different themes. And we did it in October of 2012, so we called it Fright Night. <laughs> <laughs> and we played three scary shows, and we ended it with uh, the classic Three Skeleton Key. It's from the series Escape. Which, by the way, if you're uh, interested, if anyone's interested in Escape, next Wednesday for our Woohoo Wednesday, um, a week from tomorrow, we're planning um, what we call a triple-decker helping 
of us. We do that every now and then of a certain series, and we're going to feature a triple-decker helping of Escape. We're not going to play Three Skeleton Key this time, though, because in May, we're going to celebrate Vincent Price's birthday, and we'll probably save the rats for when we have Vincent Price on, our, our good buddy Vincent Price. Johnny, this is Vincent Price. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so... You know, since since you're bringing up Vincent Price now, and I got, just keep throwing you off topic. I'm sorry, Mark. I said no, we'll just go where the wind blows us. I, 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 that's fine. Uh, you know, that's one of the interesting things about what you and Helen do is we're good at derailing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with these shows that. Uh, but it aired maybe in the mid mid to late forties. Uh, uh, actors like uh, Vincent Price are just uh, getting their uh, foot in the door in the acting world. You know, about ten years later, he's going to be uh, starring in those uh, William Castle movies like The House on Haunted Hill. I you know, love that one being like. Seven or eight years old, uh, watching that at my grandparents' uh, house, and I liked and, him when he did all the Edgar Allan Poe scary ones. Yeah, yeah, those yeah, those were good ones too. My and, favorite one's The Tingler. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and, that was the, arguably the first LSD trip on film. <laughs> 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 and and uh, 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 Vincent would be in. Uh, do, do you remember that, like, maybe late seventies um, TV show he was in? It was kind of like a horror themed one. It, it was in color. Um, I think it aired at, uh, after school, but yeah. You know, then in the uh, what mid eighties, he's ha- has a role with um, biggest selling uh, albums of all time, Thriller. Yeah, you know, so, so you know what you're doing on radio once more is is you know you are weaving all these different. Appearances and you know the trivia of you know just say Vincent Price, uh, and just putting giving your listeners a career retrospective of what he really did contribute to um, you know, the horror genre, uh, you know, by starting off with in radio. Yeah, he. Uh... Was did lots of uh, roles in radio. He played the saint on radio, and he just did a lot of regular dramatic appearances. Um, same, uh, you know, when he first came to Hollywood, he wasn't automatically the horror king that he became known. He would just be in regular dramatic films, and as time went on, he kind of became the the ghoul king that he became. But uh, he, yeah, he's good. And and so you mentioned about weaving all this stuff together. And when I first got started, 
uh, on radio once more, you know, Neil would chat with us and he would say, you know, listen, this is all old time radio. It's all been played before. It's the same stuff. So what you just need to do is just kind of reshuffle things and try to, you know, give it a different packaging. And so that's kind of what we do. We keep it fun. We work some trivia in there. I, I, you know, I'm, as I said, I'm no expert, but we just have a lot of fun with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we started and I would say, you know, Neil, can I do this or can I do that in connection with the shows? And, you know, he was very easy to talk with. Whenever I had a question for him, you know, he was always easy to you know come back and I don't care, Holmes, he, do what you want. Yeah, he pretty much let me do what I want. So very easy bit boss to work for. So thanks, Neil. <laughs> You know, with our, our attendance at the uh, Twilight Zone conferences, it, it, you know, there have been actors there who did put on uh, uh, some of the, like, never – Performed, like you know, uh, because they're you know recently discovered manuscripts, uh, radio manuscripts, and you know there have been you know the troops there uh, put you know, reenacting these uh, recently discovered uh, uh, stories written by uh, Rod Serling, and. He, you know, there's actually uh, uh, like an art form to what doing uh, yeah, some of the sound effects. I, I, there, there's really – it really is an art form. There's a lot more to it than uh, just reading scripts. Absolutely. It's, it's acting, and you're, you're only using uh, audio, you know, whether it be the dialogue, music, sound effects, as you said. Uh, it's it's a it's an amazing art form, and it's what's interesting that I love about radio. It's you know how we all you know, veg out, and sit sit back, and you know the, one of the things we called the TV growing up, the boob tube and this and that, mm-hmm. the idiot box, whatever you want to call it, and you just kind of sit there and veg out and let it feed you, you know, whatever. With with radio, you are an important part of the process. They provide you with the dialogue, the descriptions, and the sound effects, but your mind is active. And what you're doing, you are, you know, you're, you're in your mind, you're coming up what the characters look like, what type of costumes they're wearing, what type of setting is set. And you're putting all these visual images in your mind. And granted, it's more work per se than just watching TV where it's all spoon fed to you but I think when the production is over after a half hour episode that you've really gotten into and enjoyed it's uh, in some instances a, a much more gratifying uh, and enjoyable uh, time when you're listening to some of these great radio productions and what's really interesting is that one person's because you know as the more you listen to the more your mind becomes accustomed to do it and, and what you what your mind puts together would be totally different than someone else, but that's okay because it's it's your own little stage in your mind, and that's how you you're picturing things and it's it's a lot of fun and 
One of my favorite, I have an example I can show you, and it's one of my very, very favorite shows because I first got into old-time radio back in the early 1980s, and it, and it came from my love of – my love of old-time radio came from two other loves, and the love of Major League Baseball. I was a big Philadelphia Phillies fan, and my love of animated cartoons, which I still love cartoons. I'm, you know, I call myself a big kid. I'm a big kid, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, and when the Phillies, and back then, you know, in the, when I would listen to the Phillies in the 70s and the early 80s, that's back in the day when not every game was broadcasted on television. Maybe an occasional away game during the week or a, mm-hmm. a Sunday afternoon game was, was on, on, the, on the television. But during the week, if you really wanted to follow the Phillies, you know, a lot of us kids will have these little transistor radios and listening to them and listening to our broadcasters and right. following the, the Phillies. So I would, and I was really into it around about 10 years old is when I really got into it. And I would listen to the pregame show. Then I would listen to the actual entire broadcast. And then you had a postgame show. And they even had a segment because there was a local eatery around here called Geno's, which is now gone. And they had Geno's star of the game, and they would interview him. And then after that, they would have like one of those phone-in, sports phone-type shows. And people would call in and talk about the Phillies. And so it was, a, it was like an all-day, evening experience for Phillies fans. Well, I remember during one of those uh, – a spot during that time where – this is WCAU – out of Philadelphia, it was one of the big super mega stations, 50,000-watt stations, which unfortunately it's now defunct, no longer there. But WCAU was trying something new called Radio Family Classics, and they played a couple clips of different shows, You know, and I just only heard a little bit about it. I didn't know much about it. I remember my dad talking about things. Fibber McGee and Molly, Amos and Andy, you mentioned earlier, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they played a couple quick clips. Um, I got a couple quick clips I could play. Here's one that I remember them playing. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. And that was from Fibber McGee and Molly, and I didn't really know anything about that. And then they also played one from the Great Gildersleeve, and I heard something like this. The Great Gildersleeve. (laughs) Now, what's interesting about that, because I heard this Great Gildersleeve introduction, and my mind went back to a Bugs Bunny cartoon when he's running around a department store, and I didn't realize it at the time, but that was basically a Great Gildersleeve caricature. And, you know, he even had the voice and so forth. And I remember Bug saying, hey, you sound like the guy on the radio. And he called him the Great Gildersneeze, kind of like a playoff of the Great Gildersneeze. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it, but that really intrigued me. And I said, oh, that sounds interesting. I didn't put two and two together in, until later on. In fact, I have a quick clip from that, just the audio from that Bugs Bunny, and, and you can hear exactly what, what I recall. So this is from the Bugs Bunny with that that Great Gildersleeve caricature. <laughs> kind of outsmarted you, eh, little chum? Hey, wait, wait a minute. Say that again. <laughs> kind of outsmarted you, eh, little chum? 
Yeah, that's it. You know, you sound just like that guy on the radio, the great Gildersleeve. I do. Uh, uh, kind of outsmarted you, eh, little chum? Say, are you trying to pull a fast one? Well, uh, confidentially, Chubby, I just did. So that's the clip from the Bugs Bunny cartoon, and they tied in with the great Gildersleeve. And then finally, the third clip that they played, and this has turned out to be one of my very, very favorite series, because at this time, again, I was probably, it was probably around 81, maybe 80, 81, maybe 82, Uh, so I was early in my high school life. Mm -hmm. I was already a fan of, like, Twilight Zone that, you know, you and I love, and The Outer Limits, and some of those other type series. Right. But this is a, a, a short clip from another great series called The Hall of Fantasy. And, and WCAU, in this, in this quick promo clip, they played a clip something like this. The Hall of Fantasy. And that's just the beginning. It's, to me, one of the best openings of any radio series. You know, that drum... Boom, boom, and and you know we were talking about how the radio and and it cre- you create images, and I have a wonderful story with that specific clip. When I first heard that years ago, I was a Cub Scout, and I remember going to Washington D.C. and we toured the Pentagon. And one memory I have as a youngster is that the tour guide of the, of the Pentagon he showed us all around the Pentagon. But he did it the entire tour. He walked backwards. You know, he obviously knew the Pentagon like the back of his hand. So he was leading us all around, walking backwards, all around the entire facility. And he was saying that this is this building is designed in such a way you can get to any two points within you know X amount of time. And so in in listening to that clip, when I first heard that whole intro, and you hear the the uh, the announcers deep booming voice who by the way is the creator of the hall of fantasy a a gentleman by name of richard thorne and you hear that drum pounding in my mind i conjured him as like taking us down the corridor of the hall of fantasy and he's in my mind again he's walking backwards and all of us as the listeners that we're about to enter this experience we're walking down this corridor and he's leading us the way again that's that's just how my mind did it but that goes back to the experience from when I was a Cub Scout getting toured around the Pentagon. But those three clips is kind of what intrigued me and got me first into old-time radio. And then I started listening to WCAU on a regular basis. I started actually recording them on tapes and collecting them. And you know that's, that's a big part of nostalgia, collecting things. I collect radio shows. I collect TV shows. Well, that was the very beginning of collecting radio shows. And I, I still have all those tapes sitting in a bag in a closet up here, but I since, you know, digitized from CDs and from, from other collectors and so forth. And so now everything I play at the coffee shop or on radio once more, it's, it's a digital file, you know, MP3, WAV files, that sort of thing. Again, I'm sure I threw you way off course there, Mark. Sorry about that. So just 
Now, Raise I, I, me I, in I, as needed, all right? <laughs> not, not, I, I, this is perfect, and you know, I've already had uh, one comment from Mermaid Lisa that she liked me singing the hot dog song. <laughs> Hello, Lisa. Hi, uh, Lisa. <laughs> By the way, every year when it's summertime and we and the big boss usually has a show about summer and barbecues and things you do, you know, along the lines of nostalgia. And every year we get into our it's a friendly argument. But Neil for some reason he breaks I think it's the eleventh or twelfth commandment. He puts ketchup on a hot dog. To me, that's not the way it's supposed to be done. A hot dog is meant to have mustard on it. So as proof for, for my argument, I play that clip that, that you're, you're referring to that you heard when I played it during that woohoo extra. And part of the words, it goes, slap on the mustard and away we go. So I say, there it is. There's my proof. I rest my case. <laughs> Helen, do you have uh, a... a similar or uh, completely different story about how, how uh, classic uh, you got interested in classic uh, radio and TV? Well, I think if I remember well, my father had many of the radio shows on albums. So, you know, on a Saturday or a Friday, he would play, um, you know, the records and, and, I don't, uh, I wouldn't be sitting there listening to it, but I would, you know, walking back and forth from the living room to wherever, and I would hear these shows. Um, but I've always been interested in um, that type of storytelling. I like the, the, the verbal where you have to listen to it, listen to something with your headphones. Mm-hmm. Um, when I used to work uh, my late night jobs, on the way home, I would listen, try to find some type of um, – old-time radio or old-time story on the radio as I'm driving home. But uh, I, myself, I enjoy the creepy ones. <laughs> Holmesy haunt. Okay, and, and you know, just to go back to a important point that Johnny made earlier about the um, yeah, t- TV is good, but it uh, a radio it stimulates your brain more by you know, making you uh, imagine the visuals that they're that you know like the TV provides. Um, you know, one of the uh, Skits that you know, I wanted to you know, spend a little bit of time talking about is um, the, about it. The eight-minute-long um, "Who's on First? and it it does work on radio. And on, you know, you can find it on uh, uh, YouTube. There, it, it it's a skit that translates very well to actually both uh, mediums. It, it, it's, I find it to be one of the 
you know, world's all-time greatest comedy bits. Um, you know, it's intricate. The timing uh, is perfect. Uh, you know, Abin Costello, it, it just r- really perfected the who's on first skit and you know for what six about and approaching 70 years it it, it it it's still hilarious uh today what do you see as the legacy of who's on first well, I agree with you. It is arguably one of the greatest comedy sketches, bits of all time. And you, you bring up a, a, an excellent point when it comes to humor, you know, comedy, humor. Uh, there's different approaches that have been made uh, back in radio and I guess even up to current time. Well, I, as I told you, I don't watch too much current television, but – and I mean, when the – you know, producers and writers of the show, whether they decide to um, have humor that's more topical of the time or to have uh, humor that's more universal and timeless. And, uh, you know, topical where they talk about current events, you know, uh, politics is a popular one. Today it's very popular. Things that are going on from day to day in that time frame. But unfortunately, they don't translate transfer very well you know you mentioned the 67 years down the line when you listen to some of these type of shows with topical humor you need to be listening and have your encyclopedia in the other hand and look up many of these references to to understand what they're talking about to to get the humor so Mm -hmm. that doesn't translate as well but the show's and the comedy bits where they kept it as as timeless, universal, like the Abbott and Costello who's on first sketch, which is perfect because baseball is baseball. Baseball has changed very little in all these years. We all know about it. They were the one of the masters at wordplay. And it's just it's just so well done. And they had done it so many times, you know, they they had a formula and they could read off of each other. And it was never the same way. It, there was always a little deviation. It's not like they had a, a script of it and they exactly read it the same way each time. They they knew the formula of it in their mind, and they knew what where they had to get to. But sometimes it would take little different detours, but they would eventually get to the end of it, and they knew exactly what they were doing. And you mentioned how many different you know mediums that they did this on. You know, they began on stage and radio. And the films, they were like the biggest box office draw in the 1940s. And uh, they even had a television series as well. And they did the who's on first bit on every one of them. And it's, it's, it's hysterical no matter where you see it or hear it. Even in the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, they have a, like a little island, I guess you'd say, set up where they have this routine on uh, videotape. Right, sweetie? Yep. Videotape and it's looping. It's on the loop. And it's just playing continuously. So from when they open the museum to when they close it, you can stop there and just 
you know, take in the Abner Costello who's on first. And it's it's timeless humor that we just love. Yeah, it's it, you, know, you can just put on the you know, YouTube video of it and walk out of the room you know, like a, you're imitating you know, uh, just listening to it to it on the radio. It 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 is funny. Uh, you know when you see the you know Lou uh, in his facial expressions. Uh, it, it just uh, it the the whole experience is just hilarious. It, in whichever way you experience it. I, it, it's, it, it, I just think I, I, I've always, you know, just been fascinated by it. It's, you know, really, it, it's not about, uh, it's confusing as uh, questions with a statement. Like, you know, who, who is the person's name on first base? It's not, it's not a question. It's, uh, that's the guy's name, and that's uh, the the confusion that that makes makes it so funny. But um, yeah, do do you know anything about the how they wrote wrote it? Where, where the idea came from? Uh, where they first performed it? Do, I, 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 I don't know the origin of it when they came up with it, but I think they first performed it. Well, at least the, as as a lot of us uh, were told, it was on the uh, Kate Smith radio show, and, and that was about. Uh, I'm looking here on Wikipedia, 1938. Okay, there we go. Oh, it goes now back the, that far. I did not know that. Yeah, that's yeah. It actually goes back to the early 30s, where people did something similar, but just used different um, examples, like. Like who died, or you know, what's the name of that town next to which? I'm just reading this off of Wikipedia. So they just kind of—they're the ones who they actually copyrighted it in 1944. Ah. Okay. So, and well, now uh, you know the rest of the story. <laughs> but that—that that was they were that was the, their strong point was was this it, wordplay interchange inter interexchange. I'll get it. And they worked in, you know, words that had multiple meanings and usages. And, you know, they did that time after time. You know, that who's on first is, of course, their their best known one. But they also had, um, you know, the famous Hertz you drive, the Hertz rental car. If it hurts, you drive. Well, if it hurts, why do I want to drive? You know, and a similar type of sketch. Mm-hmm. You know? Or uh, they were talking about one that I've always loved when they uh, talk about uh, fill it up with down. You're talking about like a pillow or a mm-hmm. blanket. Fill it up with down. Well, you know, what is it, up or down? No, I'm not talking about down in the direction down. I'm talking about when you get down from a duck's back. And he goes, I never even got on a duck's back. So it's the same <laughs> type of humor. And it's hysterical. And I, I, they're really good at that. Uh, that yeah, that. And it, 
how how long were they together? And Helen just said, you know, uh, copyrighted it in. Uh, 1945, uh, they, but they start, first started performing in 38, and Lou actually died pretty young. He did. Was he in, in the in, 50s? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, in, in, in the early 50s. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, but we're talking what maybe 15 years, but they, you know they really left a big impression. Yeah, unfortunately, they. I think they did have some dissension, and they did break up. Although I don't, I think Lou didn't live too long after the breakup. I don't know the exact time frame. He, I think he even did a solo movie or two. And there's a, an appearance of Lou Costello on the game show because I've been getting into game shows a lot lately. Mm-hmm. You go to YouTube. Uh, he's in an episode as a guest on "I've Got a Secret" with Gary Moore. So you, you know, you can go home. After you listen to Mark's show, of course, you can you can go turn to YouTube and listen to it or watch it. Yeah, and you know, a few few weeks ago, you know, speaking of game shows, um, it did a pretty lengthy segment on Groucho Marx, and you got the Hello, must be going song. And Hello, I must be going. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, um, contradictory statement within one sentence. Uh, and it's a little. Maybe you could see where. I don't say someone like uh, John Lennon uh, would have been inspired by that. With uh, you, you say goodbye and I say hello. And it's it, it's really interesting. And like you said, word uh, play. But you know, you get these uh, uh, movies that the you know, Marx Brothers did, but. You, know, you also draw our attention to that he he had a uh, uh, you know very popular game show, tremendous game show. I love it. You're talking about you bet your life, and yes. in fact, uh, that's the presentation. That's the last presentation we did at the coffee shop. How nice of you to work that in, Mark. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we did that in. February. February. That was our last presentation. Unfortunately, our February one, uh, you know, because of the uh, you know the health situation crisis, uh, we postponed it. So our, oh, our April. Next, our, uh, that's April. No, you said February. Oh, April. I'm sorry. Yeah, we did it in February, and our April presentation we had to cancel or postpone. We're shooting for June, but um, that's still up in the air. We'll we'll get back when everything's safe. But um, when we did the uh, the Groucho Marx presentation at the coffee shop. We called it the, the one, one, the only Groucho. But the what was amazing about Groucho Marx because he is arguably, and you know, people have different opinions, and that's fine. But he was arguably the quickest wit 
of all time. I mean, he just would trigger a response, a funny response to almost anything you said. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for him, it didn't work very well in a scripted format. If you threw a script at Groucho Marx, he deviated from it uh, quite a bit. Kind of like uh, uh, what you do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We we throw a monkey wrench into the operation. <laughs> oh, wine guy. <laughs> and so he didn't really have a great. I mean, he was he was uh, very good in movies with his brothers, the Marx Brothers movies. They did ad lib and deviate from the script, but the. Um, the producers allowed that and went with it and it has tremendous results. I mean, their their movies are golden. Now, he's had tried some different avenues on radio and nothing quite fit, you know, what would be good use of his of his skill set, of his of his ad libbing, of his quick wit. Until this producer, and I can't remember his name, John John Goodell, I believe his name was. He he uh, spoke with him and came up with the whole idea of you know, perfect radio venue for you would be sort of like as a host, like a quiz show. And the whole thing with You Bet Your Life, it is a quiz show, but it's just a clever way to exploit Groucho's talent so that it's the funniest part is when he's interviewing a contestant and he just mm-hmm. goes on and on. And, you know, and you talk about something timeless. I mean, all these years later, I still literally laugh out loud, sometimes the tears. He's that funny. Now, I know some people, maybe they get a little tired of it. Maybe he's not their cup of tea, and I understand that. But in general, I really just love those old You Bet Your Lifes. In fact, it started on radio, and then it became simulcasted on both radio and television. And then eventually, uh, they just t- television only. And... It's a wonderful body of work, and I would say most people probably remember him more so from You Bet Your Life than anything else. I mean, his films are, are very popular as well. And speaking of Groucho, I have to give a, a plug out to our good buddy, Frank Ferrante. Yes. He is the number one Groucho impersonator. He's been doing this 35-plus years. Uh, Helen and I have seen him easily six, seven times and become good friends with him. As a matter of fact, when we did that presentation at the coffee shop and again on radio once more, uh, we contacted him and we told him what we were doing and we wanted him to help out and he was very helpful. So for our last, we played three You Bet Your Life episodes and for the last one, he recorded an introduction to that show. I kind of threw something together, loosely written it up and then he worked with that, and he put a fantastic recording together and sent it in. And then so we got to play it both at the coffee shop and on radio once more. But he's been doing this one-man show for 35 years. It's called An Evening with Groucho, and it's easy to find. Uh, you can Google An Evening with Groucho. There's a Facebook page. Unfortunately, he's not touring right now because everything's kind of shut down. Right. But when this clears up and he's back touring again, wherever you are listening to, if you get a chance to go check out his show, it's fantastic. You will absolutely love it. It's a great show. But okay. uh, it, it, and it, it, it's uh, Frank? Frank Ferrante. F-E-R-R-A-N-T-E. And tell him Helen and Johnny sent you. <laughs> 
Okay. It, and you know, you know, when you've played those uh, uh, Groucho's clips from uh, You Bet Your Life, mm-hmm. the, 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 you know, he's what, meeting the contestants for the first time and like, you know, the husband and wife you know, talk a little bit about themselves. And, you know, he has these uh, really good uh, comments, you know, funny summaries, uh, you know, kind of... Oh, he's quick, like a rapid-fire memory, and he just throws it right out there. He's absolutely amazing. And, and, and he gets, you know, just has a good feel for uh, the contestants. And... After I was uh, listening to what you know, the clips that you presented, it seems like there was like one of those kernels of so many other shows, like you know, growing out of that. It, it, it was you know just the experimental. Um, Humor that he he was developing when that aired in the like fifties. Um, yeah, started in uh, late forties and uh, aired through the fifties. Yeah, and you know I, I was seeing that you know more uh, you know ten I know was uh, ten eleven twelve years old. And I'm seeing that same experimental humor evolving out of uh, Saturday Night Live and the original uh, Not Ready for Primetime Players. It it, it just seems like there's uh, something there that connects all these kind of, of shows. You get that innovative that one innovative person that you know, just kind of pushes the envelope a little bit uh, further. And, and, and I, I think that that that's one aspect of, um, you know, since this is a kind of a history themed uh, show where, where you know, we can trace some ideas back to for some shows and, and, and that's, Something I've been uh, learning from radio once more. And Neil, do you, you actually and, learn from radio once more? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm I, I I am trying to maximize my profit from Neil. I'm shocked. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, they learn from us. Huh? What do you think of that? That's not bad. Thank you, thank you, Mark. Yeah. I'll uh, hit up the boss so when it comes race time. I'll, I'll point that out. The listeners actually learn from us, Neil. How about a raise? <laughs> <laughs> He'll double your salary. That's right. Double my salary. <laughs> but, you know, you were talking about uh, Frank's um, one-man shows uh, about uh, Groucho and 
you know, Mark Dewisiak's doing that with the, uh, you know, the Twilight Zone uh, conferences. Uh, the, he does a, um, a Mark Twain um, show as well. Yeah, Mark does he, a lot of that same type of uh, thing that Frank does and that others do. Yeah, and it, it, I st- um, so, saw his Mark Twain one uh, two years ago. I, could, I, I uh, couldn't. I, I, you know, I arrived you know day early for this last one, but I couldn't stay for the uh, comeback Saturday. Uh, you know, for some. Well, I, I get back to you know my regular. Uh, caretaking job but uh you know so i i unfortunately missed uh, i understood you couldn't stand being with us i understand <laughs> oh, <it's, laughs> yeah. but uh you know mark's uh i i unfortunately missed mark's uh charles dickens uh uh presentation but i I was really impressed with his uh, you know, Mark Twain uh, impersonation uh, the previous year, and it, you know he was uh, I think he uh, spoke a little bit with Hal Holbrook about developing mm-hmm. um, his Mark Twain character, and it, it seems like that you know there are those. One person uh, shows where where someone's imitating or impersonating someone out of the past, and it it it, it, it does give you a look into the legacy that they they left. And I I haven't unfortunately I haven't seen. Uh, Frank's uh, performance, um, but you know, Marx was really good about uh, Mark Twain. Um, yeah, I so, think Mark is, uh, like you mentioned, friends with Hal Holbrook, and I know mm-hmm. Frank is also friends with Hal Holbrook. Frank oh, tells okay. a story about way back know. when when Frank was just in college, and he went to see Hal Holbrook, and they got to chat a little bit, and. They've been, you know, lifelong friends, and now Hal, when of course he's up there, I think he's in his nineties now, isn't he? And he um, he's Probably. visited Frank at his show, and wow. I think all these people that keep the memories alive of these classic uh, entertainers and celebrities, you know, what Mark does, what Frank does, what Hal Holbrook has been doing, and uh, we have a good friend also, Brad Zinn, and right along that same line, we got to meet him last year at Spurdback. Super nice guy, a super talented guy, and he does a great comedian show, and he does a handful of those classic celebrities, including W.C. Fields. Tex Ritter. He does uh, Will Rogers. Will Rogers, sorry. Uh, yeah, he, he actually had to learn how to do the rope lassoing because he does that on stage with two ropes when he mm-hmm. does his Will Rogers bit. And he, he'll like start off. He'll 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 get into a character and get into a little costume, and then he'll go behind, uh, depending upon the setup, either behind like a a, a changing screen or if it's in a, a larger venue, he'll go off stage and come back on. And uh, who else did he do? Uh, Jack oh, Benny. Jack Benny is one of his best. He does an amazing 
Jack Benny. Also does an amazing George Burns. Um, in fact, we were scheduled to have him on earlier in the year on radio once more because he was scheduled to be at in Washington uh, reps. the Reps Showcase, and he was going to be doing because uh, he participates in a lot of these conventions uh, where they do these old time radio recreations, and he does this famous comedian show. Unfortunately, Reps was canceled. Uh, because, again, the virus situation. And mm-hmm. so, because we were going to use uh, his appearance on radio once more to kind of really publicize him being at reps. So I, I touched base with him, and I said, we'll just we'll reschedule later in the year. We'll just see how things go. I mean, we'll definitely have him on. He actually listens to us every now and then. And again, I go, wait, wait a minute. He listens to us? <laughs> you know, but he's really a super nice guy, and we it was great to meet him and spend some time with him. At uh, spurred back in uh, California last year. So, again, I think I successfully uh, derailed you. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> so, uh, ha- ha- Helen, how, how, how do you put up with this being derailed by <laughs> Oh, that's Johnny. just everyday thing, everyday thing that happens. Sometimes I derail him, and but he does most of the derailing. That's right. Everyday life around the... Uh, a homely household. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, oh, you want to say Brad had a Facebook page? No, did you want to do this? Oh, our Facebook page. Yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. We have a Facebook page. Just if anyone's interested in our coffee shop presentations, an evening of old time radio, and you can visit us, like us there. <clears throat> you can communicate with us. We also have a email address uh, that we give out for um, for the public if you want to say hello. Johnny okay. and Helen Holmes at AOL dot com. Okay, and uh, what's the Facebook one again? An even of old time radio. If you don't mind, uh, we had put that uh, little uh, announcement up on Facebook, um, mm-hmm. letting us know, letting everybody know that we're going to be on your show tonight. And we did have a lot of people check off the like feature. If you don't mind me saying who they are. Uh, go ahead. All give, right. give them a shout out, sweetie. All righty. We have Joanna Whalen, Donna Christine Park, Carrie Lynn McKay Diaz, Brian Beck, Mike Pfeiffer, Josie D. Mattia Dwyer, Anne Marie Donnelly Myers, Johnny Redux, Dolores Hayner, Rick Goldschmidt, Henry Cruz, Marianne Lau, Mark Eddy. We know who that is. Yep. Christopher Benedict, Pam Ogg, Elsie Hogan Young, Grant Gardner, Karen Lynn Archer. Guy Carr, Johanna Johanna, Joanna Peterson Jamie, Mike Haley, Virginia Rothman Robbins, Stephanie Thompson, Kevin Libby, Elizabeth Adams, and Dan Duke. They all checked off the like feature wow. for the post. I'm going to give them a round of woohoos, Mark, if that's okay. Go, go, go ahead. Woohoo! And another. Woohoo! One more. They come in a set of three. Woohoo! Thank you all so much, folks. Yes. I hope some of you guys are listening. It's yeah, good to have uh, a large family, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm glad Mike's tuned in. I'll, I'll get the uh, archive to him. Uh, hopefully, we can uh, get him on on a show uh, soon and talk about uh, you know, his, his work at the Bundy Museum. And we know Mike and you know, Dan Duke is going to be a guest with us in early June along with his sister Teresa so uh, 
I, I, I'm glad uh, so, so many other people that, you know, tuned in. So, you know, we're just having a lot of fun. I hope they're enjoying the uh, show. I know, uh, uh, you know, a couple other comments I've had or have been very supportive. Mike Pfeiffer is a great guy. Um, mm-hmm. been very knowledgeable. Very kind to Helen and I. Last year, he actually invited us. He was putting together a, you know, he puts the, these periodic programs at the Bundy Museum. For those of you who don't know, the Bundy Museum, it's in Binghamton, New York. Binghamton, New York is the hometown of, of Rod Serling. And in this museum, there's a Rod Serling exhibit that Mike Pfeiffer is more or less the caretaker of, the archivist of everything. And he does a great great job out of putting all this neat paraphernalia paraphernalia up. And he uh, periodically has these in-the-zone presentations with some aspect of Rod Serling and the Twilight Zone or some of his other things he was connected with, uh, early Rod Serling or Night Gallery, uh, that type of thing. Uh, he even uh, was able to get a couple of radio recordings, so he wanted to do a radio-related uh Rod Serling presentation, and as part of that, he invited Helen and I to come up since we do these coffee shop presentations that we, we, we were talking about and to do like a miniature version of that to go along with what he was presenting about Rod Serling. So we actually got to do uh, a, 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 mini, a miniature version of an even of old time radio right there in the Bundy Museum, and we had a great time. Mm-hmm. And we, In fact, we played – we mentioned about the Hall of Fantasy – a little bit earlier in the show, the first episode we played was an episode from the Hall of Fantasy, and then we uh, moved and did some sci-fi from a great series called X-1, and that was uh, about a year ago, last, yes, it was. last April, and we had a great time. It was a nice crowd there. It was, and again, Mike, if you're listening, thank you so much. That meant the world to Helen and I, and he was kind enough to uh, invite us again up this year. And but again, unfortunately, because of the virus situation, we had to cancel that. But we were talking about doing something uh, time travel related. You know, Rod Serling did a lot of time travel related in his mm-hmm. in the Twilight Zone and his other works. And he thought, can you play a couple old time radios shows that's connected to time travel? I said, oh, do I? Can I do? <laughs> because we actually did a time travel presentation. At the coffee shop. Yeah. I think we called it Time Passages. That's right. And so we have um, – uh, we're hoping to do it next year. We're hoping that the air clears and this moves on and, and you know, life will have some more normalcy to it. So we're hoping next April we get to do it, and we're going to play an episode from a series called Dimension X and then an episode again from X-1. It. Johnny and Helen, do you, do, do you get a lot of these uh, shows from just YouTube? Is there another uh, uh, way that people can find these? Uh, you know, like a website where they uh, you know can download all these shows. Where do you get all this material? Um, well, a lot of the programs that I have I've collected over the years uh you can you can buy CD sets I know a lot of people don't like the idea you know spending money on it but 
I think it is important to support a lot of these companies like Radio Archives and Radio Classics um, because it keeps them going. What they do is they go out and they try to find transcription discs and release shows that have never been released before. But that requires funds, so you got to sort of support them. You know, purchase some of their 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 CD sets. It keeps them up and running, and that'll help perpetuate and keep keep the shows up and running. Uh, but there are avenues to download as well. The one of the ones that uh, I use it's the old time. I don't know if I have the uh, the old time radio research library. Can you look that up, sweetie? Mm-hmm. Um, o T T R. It's an organization that tries to put together uh, the best quality shows available, and they have them kind of organized in a website where you can download them. And, and I've, I've certainly got a, a, a lot of stuff from them. And, of course, from big boss Neil Ellis, who's been collecting things, you know, you know easily probably since the, uh, I don't know, 1970s, 1960s. He's been doing this, you know, quite a while. And, Posey. Well, sorry, Neil. And uh, so he's he's been kind enough and very generous. He's shared everything he has with us, uh, you know, since we we play things on radio once more and at the coffee shop and so forth. Did you come across that old time radio research library? Oh, hold on. She's looking. She's looking. So there what? is lots of stuff. And you mentioned YouTube. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube. Uh, there's a lot of everything on YouTube. Uh, I org. Okay, there you go. Um, I mean, there's many, many, many websites you can go to to listen and download and and purchase different old time radios shows. Yes. So it's it's definitely out there. You know, I know the big question that comes up: Well, what about copyright? And that's a that's a huge gray area. You know, our policy at Radio Once More is that most things are still under some type of copyright. I know, although I know that, and I talked to our good buddy Walden. He says after so many years, though, more and more shows will be in what they call the public domain. And quite frankly, I don't understand all that. I didn't study law in school. I just barely got through accounting. So, but um, so big boss. Uh, Neil is the guy, you know, he says we could pretty much play anything. Uh, we really won't have an issue because he's been doing this so long. He knows what's fair game and what to stay away from. And the two big biggies that uh, we do stay away from, the uh, other internet radio stations play it. They may have special clearances. I know our good buddy Walden at Yesterday USA, he does have special clearances to play uh, most series. Uh, we don't have that at Radio Once More. So the, the the two that we stay away from is the Shadow and the Green Hornet. So those two we don't play. But pretty much everything else uh, we play. Or maybe and, some things from the 70s. Yeah, the newer shows we can't play either, like CBS Radio Mystery Theater. That came out in the 70s. Um, there's the Sears Radio Theater. Also came out in the 70s. And even uh, one that Rod Serling... Uh, was the announcer on Zero Hour. Mm-hmm. That also came out in, in the 70s. But we really can't play those either. I mean, I have recordings of a lot of them, and I play them for myself here in the house, but I can't play them at the... I guess I could play at the coffee shop, you know, if it's just a small group, but... No. I, I wouldn't do that because what we've been doing since 2013, when we do a presentation at the coffee shop, 
usually on a Friday night. The following Wednesday, we do it again on radio once more. And this is something we call our recapitulation presentation. Exactly. Say that three times fast, Mark. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to fail at the first one. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> exactly right. The recapitulation presentation. So we do it at the coffee shop, and then we do it again for radio once more. And that was Neil's idea, that to do it again. Um, and that's kind of what got us into radio once more, actually. It's a, it's a great transition. We were doing these coffee shops, and we got to know Neil. Um, we met him a few times at various conventions, uh, Martin Graham's uh, Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention, and I mm-hmm. think we met him first at the F-O-T-R. Friends of, Friends of yes. Old Time Radio in Newark, New Jersey, which uh, unfortunately they don't run anymore. Uh, Jay Hickerson uh, retired from that, and he's now down in Florida. And the one in Cincinnati. And then he, yeah, he, we uh, met him at the one in Cincinnati, which, again, that's another one that's no longer. Uh-huh. Uh, these conventions, unfortunately, are closing down. But uh, Mank is still up and running, and that's, that's, that's a great convention. If you could ever make it there, Mark, I think you'd enjoy that. Okay. Yeah, these you know, Martin's conventions uh, attract some great um, actors and actresses from uh, classic TV. Uh, you know, you're going to uh, a lot of those uh, conventions up and down the East Coast. Uh, you know, one of the people that you—I uh, don't know if you, you met him at a convention, but you, you've actually met Grandpa Munster. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, what, uh, what's the story there? That was a funny story. Um, and actually, this is long before I even met Helen. That's before me. And before we started going to these these conventions, he, for many years, he ran a museum in Greenwich Village, New York City, on Bleecker Street. And interesting uh, name of the restaurant. It was called Grandpa's. <laughs> and he actually served as the as your host. You know, you would walk in in this little foyer area. And as soon as you would walk in, he would be sitting there to the right in like a stool. With uh, and this is, goes way back. I probably did it in the uh, probably in the eighties. And he had these beat up old jeans, holes in them, and everything. And he had a big old cigar hanging out of his mouth. Hi, hi, how you doing? Hi, yeah, thanks for coming. Hi, how you doing? That's that's basically it. And but I was thrilled just to meet him. I said, "Pleasure to meet you, sir." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what we did, but it was uh, it was interesting. I didn't get an autograph. I didn't wasn't really collecting uh, autographs back then, and I don't even know if that would be the proper thing to do. I guess uh, you know he's probably did some autographs there, but but it was neat seeing him and chatting with him. We also since then met Butch Patrick mm-hmm. uh, a, a number of times because he he does the circuit on these um these conventions and Lisa Loring. Well, she was from uh, oh, it's yeah. Adam's family. Yeah, never mind. But we did meet uh. Cousin Marilyn. Yes, we did meet Cousin uh, Marilyn. Yes, what's yes. What's her name? Not Beverly Owen. Priest. Pat Pr- Patricia yeah, Priest. That's huh? it. Yes. Met her a couple times. Twice, actually. I think we did meet her twice. H- Helen is, you know, Patricia uh, Priest, the favorite person you've met at one of these classic TV 
conventions or is, uh, is there someone else that? Well, I've met many, many people that I have enjoyed meeting. Um, what was I one of your most favorite ones? I tend to veer over to the scary people. Um, I've met Udu Kerr. Um, I've met uh, Tom Savini. Um, many, 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 many people. We met a few big names, right? We met Anne Margaret. Anne Margaret, yep, yep. Wow. We met we met Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Oh uh, yeah, I've met him. Oh really? Oh. Was that we for were there. It was like a uh, a like a Rocky Horror uh, pseudo reunion. Mm-hmm. He was part of that. Yep. Uh, yeah, over the years we've met a lot of biggies, uh, some Star Trek personalities. Shatner, yeah, we we did Nimoy. go to Star Trek conventions. We met majority of the Star Trek. Um, captains, I have one left to to meet to get my captain's picture autographed, and that's Scott Bakula. I haven't seen him. Who who who, who, who do you want to meet uh, most of all? That's still alive. <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah, unfortunately, there's so many, uh, or you know, he just passed away a day or two ago, and I was saying I would have loved to meet. Because I love the TV series Green Acres, and Tom Lester was the only one left still living, and he just died, I think, uh, a couple days ago. A couple days ago, and uh, I would have loved to meet him because I, I I still get a kick out of Green Acres. I think it's somewhat of an underrated series, but the it really it it pushes the envelope as far as, as being silly and all. Oh, actually, my my top top favorite person that I just met last year I actually met this person 35 years ago and just he just made the rounds again for some of the conventions and that is Clive Barker who's the author yes uh, so what was that meeting like where where did it take place that was at the Monster Mania convention last August I believe it was and um, we got to meet him. I got a photo op taken with him. I told him he's given me goosebumps all my life. <laughs> and then I also got a chance to go and see where he was doing autographs, and I got his autograph. So it was very nice. Yeah, did yeah he give you like a impersonation of like you know. Uh, uh, what's the line? Like we have eternity to know your flesh, or did did he say anything like that to you know, just like, oh my God, I can't believe you said said that to me. Um, no, not really. I just, uh, you know, I had some of his original uh, books that I, he had signed, two of them, thirty five years ago, and then I brought the rest of them for him to sign, and he uh, was amazed that I had them, and I talked to him about a couple of his other books, and. He was a very, very pleasant person to talk to. Yeah, um, I've only I've only seen uh, his uh, Hellraiser trilogy. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, maybe there are more. Uh, but yeah, those are. And that's only one of his stories in his. Is Books of Blood series. He has twenty or thirty books out, maybe even more. That majority of them I've read already. Okay, 
Yeah, the, those movies seem like they are like their own category of horror type movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they really take seem like they're a little closer to uh, Poe or Frankenstein where they're they're looking at or, or Clive is looking at um, mental conditions of people and uh, uh He's expressing some of his concern about like a personality de- deterioration and you know, in some aspects. It's possible. You never know where people get their ideas for their books. Oh, well, it's uh, um, uh, it's just yeah, you know, they're they're very. He he just seems like he left a big influence on modern horror, horror writing. Oh yeah. Of course, him and 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 Stephen King, one of my other favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, haven't uh, met him, but we did visit his house. Yes, we did. Bangor, uh, Maine. Oh, okay. You did uh, make it up there. Uh, what did you think of uh, Bangor and uh, Stephen's house? It was very interesting. Um, behind his house, actually, he has he is co-owner of the minor league baseball team up there in Bangor and and the field is just behind his house. Um but his his house is very gothic looking. Um his fence around the house has bats and cobwebs and and whatnot on there. And every now and then we didn't see him but they said in Bangor he just regular guy go to the, go to the store, get his groceries, go to the post office. Um all that kind of stuff. So, uh, is he st- does he still live there full time? Part time. I think he does part time in Florida, and, and you know, majority of the time in Maine. But I think he has a place in Florida also. Okay. Is does uh, Stephen have any new books that just came out? Hmm. Let me double check. He's looking. I'm looking. I know he's written some books with his son, um, Joe Hill. Um, I'm just looking to see what Helen's the reader in the family. I don't do much reading. Shame on me. Although we did listen to some audio books when we were when I was still working, when we were driving to the office. We listened to quite a few audio books, and mm-hmm. that was a that was a big treat. We a lot of the classics, mm-hmm. and we l- listened to a book uh, we mentioned about Mel Blanc. We uh, read a uh, audio read, if you will, uh, a recent biography, and had a lot of neat stories in about Mel Blanc and oh. Sherlock Holmes. Uh, did quite a mm-hmm. few. That was fun. Right. Um, he does have a recent book out. It's called Sleeping Beauties. He wrote with Owen King. That's his son. Um, his newest one's called The Institute, and he also has one called The Outsider, which I believe they just made to a miniseries on Hulu. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are his newest ones. 
Speaking of um, Stephen King, you know, he was a uh, Twilight Zone fan, and you know, we were just talking about um, uh, Mike uh, Pfeiffer, Mark Dewisiak, you know, just uh, you know, some of the other uh, p- people at you know, you know, little get-togethers. Um, when, when we had uh, one of our breakfasts, uh, Mark Olshaker was... Yes, he was, like, sitting right behind us, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, and then, you know, uh, Mark uh, came out, and that's, you know, uh, Barbara's going to get get that photo here next time she ventures... Out to the mailbox, um, but you know we had um, Mark uh, Dweezy. I came over to uh, you know the table. We were talking to him. You know, the little book sale there for uh, you know, the Red Dragon Rider. Uh, you know another one of the listeners, but. but it, you know, Mark is, is involved in that uh, um, Mind Hunter. Yes. Uh, uh, Netflix uh, uh, series, uh, but did did uh, Helen? Did you have a chance to read his uh, Mark's or uh, yeah, Mark Olshaker's book uh, Mind I Hunter? Not, I haven't read it yet. I do have it uh, in our uh, back room from our mm-hmm. Twilight Zone. Paraphernalia, but I have not written that one yet. I read that one yet. Um, I've heard the TV show is very good. Yeah, I'm. Hope uh, Mark's working on a book now. I, you know, he has an open invitation. You know, we've been, uh, we have corresponded about him being a guest, but I. You know he he had a uh, connection with Rod Serling. Uh, he was one of his students, correct? I think. So, yeah, it was, so, something like that. And you know he's still uh, close friends with Anne. Uh, but it, you know he's uh, co-authoring several books on like a regular basis with uh, John Douglas from. Uh, you know, like uh, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, uh, Jack Crawford was uh, from Silence of the Lambs. Was what based on uh, uh, John Douglas? And they're you know, writing these books on you know all all these uh, different uh, cases and you know what makes them unique in mm-hmm. the uh, forensic profiling. Uh, category and, and, and so, so there we are, you know, just all, all like all these like uh, Twilight Zone like geeky kind of people, and, and you know, all, there, there's so many people that there at these uh, uh, conferences that have these really fascinating careers going on. Oh yeah, but that uh, Mind Hunter is. A really neat book. I, I have been enjoying that, and 
he has uh, I can find it real quickly um, what he there's a there it is um, where is they Mark has his own book on Virus Hunter, 30 Years of Battling How Viruses Around the Hot Viruses Around the World, uh, and another book on uh, Deadliest Enemy, Our War Against Killer Germs, that he co-authored with uh, Michael Osterholm. Uh, it, you know, that's a very topical, uh, so you know, may, hopefully we can get him on the show and talk talk about all, all this you know criminal profiling that he's done it's really mm-hmm. a ama- uh, j- just a- a astonishing work and uh, um hopefully his book will be out soon it's, I, I, I know so many things were behind suddenly became mm-hmm. behind schedule because of the Virus Hunter it, book was was printed in 1998. Yeah, it, it's actually not. It's it's not. It has nothing to do with you know, what's going on, or it may have predicted right. what's going on today. But yeah, you know, it, it's uh, it's not a recent book. But yeah, you know, it, it would be fascinating to talk with him about uh, you know what are patterns you saw uh, what 20, uh, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, has anything? change as you know things become more nefarious uh you know that that'd be a fascinating discussion so i'm hoping that he will be a guest with us but you know that was just like a real honor here sitting there eating waffles and you know mark, mark comes in and says, you know good, good morning we're all staying at the same hotel and mm-hmm. he just uh he and his wife sit down behind us and uh we all congregate around the waffle maker <laughs> a, a machine and you know, just talk and go back to the table. It's uh, you know, just, uh, you know, a very interesting guy. He was very nice. I enjoyed uh, talking mm-hmm. with him about his book and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I, I've gotten a lot out of that, so ho- ho- hopefully we'll ha- have him uh, be a guest soon. And uh, Johnny mentioned um, Walden. Uh, how do you do the, those shows where uh, you are simulcasting with Yesterday uh, USA and Walden's show? What we do is when I sign in, um, we have a couple of different things going on. Uh, when we broadcast for radio once more for our own show, I have software on the computer that I sign in, and when I click the button, we pretty much take over operations, so to speak. So we're 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 switching broadcast from Neil's located down in Maryland, mm-hmm. but um, since he gave me the the password, I wonder if he regrets that at this point. <laughs> <laughs> And so when I put in the username and password, at that point, I take over, and then we do our three-hour show. And then when I click log off, it reverts back to the automation, which is what's playing continuously from Maryland. 
Now, when we, when, when we do a simulcast with uh, Walden, Big John, the Gaspins, uh, Patricia, the whole gang over at Yesterday USA, they use a platform. Well, it's actually pretty popular now, Zoom. You've probably heard of that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been using uh, Zoom for a few years, but that has really picked up popularity ever since uh, this virus situation. And so what I do is I the, – the computer that I'm running right now, like you and I are communicating via Skype, uh, the same computer I also have Zoom installed on. So what I do is I'll, I'll sign in to Radio Once More. I'll say hello, and then, and then I'll say, okay, stand by. Let's, let's hook up with you know, Walden or Big John or whoever we're hooking up with or maybe everybody. And then I sign into Zoom. And then that's how we are all connected. So they're broadcasting via Zoom. I'm able to take our feed, if you will, and put it into what they call the Zoom room. And we can all hear each other and speak and so forth. And that's how we do it. It's really not that complicated. Oh, okay. Unless something goes wrong. And and that happens also, as I'm sure you've experienced. uh, The beauty of live radio. uh Uh-huh. And it's, and it's usually during my show too, and <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know it's, it, it it is interesting in the technology that helps uh, you know merge two different networks, and you know, uh, so one could uh, you know participate in a a uh, show, but it, it also demonstrates that. You know, there really is a market for this type of uh, 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 subject material. You know, know, Helen read off the uh, list of a whole bunch of people who really, uh, you know, sent likes, and hopefully they, you know, put some comments in there about, you know, they really like the show. But, um, we did yeah, have a friend of ours, Donna, um, gave us a big woohoo because we are the woohoo people. So the woohoo couple. Woohoo, Donna. Woohoo. <laughs> but it, it, you know, it, 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 I'm, you know, taking, you know, I've taken a little bit of a uh, more of a historical angle of looking at. Uh, pop culture tonight. Um, you know, Johnny hasn't derailed me uh, <laughs> from what I wanted to try to accomplish, but yeah, I still think I got uh, most everything in you know, one uh, to, you know, to do. But it, you know, it, it does seem like there is an interest in. Uh, you know Walden's show, or uh, you know your show. Uh, you know, you know when Neil uh, jumps on and you know get, gets involved. You know, there's lively discussion. Uh, there, there's you know some of the trivia. You know, does help. To make all these connections to uh, people's career, like we were talking about Vincent Price and his, uh, I don't know what, uh, 
probably 50 year career in um, acting. It, 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 it is really interesting about the service that Radio Once More and Yesterday USA offers. It just kind of blows my mind, you know, with it being internet based. I, 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 it's, it still awes me that, you know, because of this, this we're talking worldwide, mm-hmm. the World Wide Web, so anyone in the world can be listening to us, you know. And it just, I, it's hard for me to believe. And uh, when we do our show on Wednesdays, and we'll do our intro, our opening, and then we usually move into our first old-time radio offering of the night and then I hit that and then the show's playing and I said, hell no, I'm going to go downstairs and get a cup of coffee. I'll be back in a couple minutes. And we have an internet radio that's playing in the kitchen 24-7 on radio once more. Because I told you, I'm on there right now. In fact, I'll be on for another 15 minutes and then I'll be signing off. <laughs> and it just it blows my mind that as we go, I go down there and I hear it coming out of the internet radio and I go, wow. I'm playing this upstairs on my laptop, going through the computer, through the whole world, <laughs> and then it's coming out of this little this little box in the kitchen. It just, I don't know, I just it's hard for me to comprehend all that. Technology yeah, it, is pretty cool. Of course, we always add the caveat when it works, because there's times when you know internet goes down or you lose electric or whatever. It, it, I, yeah. What we're doing is a lot of fun. I I, I enjoy in the Tuesday nights. Um, I I enjoy uh, tuning in to hear Woohoo Wednesdays. Uh, you know, we've had Martin Graham's on, uh, but uh, approaching a year ago. Yeah, he's he, you know, he he went to a lot of detail about um, I forget which book he was. Uh, it might have been his book on uh, the Shadow uh, Radio series, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's saying he he was in doing some of his research in Akron, Ohio, at the. Uh, um, uh, was it the uh, Firestone, um, you know, tire plant? I just remember that. You know, asking, I was like, "What are you doing there?" And it's said, "Oh, you know, like they had had a lot of the uh, manuscripts because they were uh, the original sponsor of the radio show." So, oh, gee, you know, you know that's oh. Okay, now I understand. Now, it just it, at first it really caught me off guard. I uh, I was expecting him to be talking. You know, had to go to L.A. or something like that. Um, but it, it, it's really nice to have met so many people through these conventions who are doing a, a great job of. Preserving his, it's you know for for that particular genre of history, people like Martin have done a great job of writing their books. It's very well documented. 
Uh, he presents it in a interesting way, and and it's amazing because he looks like a teenager. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's so young, like, and 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 to be researching all these old topics, like you mentioned, the shadow, the Green Hornet, and and all that inner yeah. sanctum. Yeah. You know? Well, and you know, I think he has a Alfred Hitchcock presents book. Yes. Uh, I think his book on the Lone Ranger. Uh, he was working on that last year when uh, we had him as a guest. I uh, don't know the status of it. Um, yeah, I don't think it's been released yet, but I think it's real close, and I think it's going to be a multiple volumes, I believe, two well, or even three volumes. I mean, that's a big topic if you're talking about the whole, the whole legacy of the Lone Ranger. Um, I think he's in the process of getting it uh, proofread and all that, and I don't know. I, I imagine maybe this virus situation is probably, uh, you know, throwing a monkey wrench into that as well. I, I learned today. Uh, one of my friends said that the CD he has recorded was supposed to be out this month, and it, uh, just due to the virus, uh, it's uh, mm-hmm. not going to be out till at some point in the fall. Uh, the like CD making company uh, uh, is just sh- sh- shut down. I, so uh, you know, just everything's come to standstill. Many uh, conventions it, of uh, you know, Chiller Theater was was canceled. Um, they just they were going to try to remake it in in June, but they just announced yesterday that they that's canceled. So there's another one scheduled for October. So. That's what they're shooting for, and we'll just see how the time is then. Martin's convention is, is scheduled for September. I mean, again, we'll have to see you know, how, how things, how safe things will be then. So everything's kind of up in the air. Uh, we were supposed to, as I said, we were supposed to be up at the Bundy with Mike and the gang mm-hmm. to do some old-time radio. I think it was just last weekend, mm-hmm. was, uh, and, uh, of course, that was canceled. So, yeah, a lot of things have been, uh, you know, upset because of this but i'm sure we're trying to keep positive and and one thing we can still do our internet thing that's the wonderful thing we just keep doing that and uh, you know keep a positive attitude and know that you know eventually uh, things will get somewhat back to normal yeah we let's just you know hope and pray that happens because uh, you know r- r- really uh, the Rod Serling Twilight Zone uh, conferences are are just ter- terrific, and yeah, you, you know, you've mentioned so, so many other ones that you go to. Uh, uh, Martin holds his in uh, with the Baltimore area, yeah, Hunt so, Valley, Maryland, just outside yeah, of Baltimore. Uh, that's it. So, uh, um, yeah, there, there. W- if people like these concepts of old time radio and classic TV, I, you know, there this year just uh, uh, it doesn't have a lot. Of, a lot of things have changed. Hopefully, some will happen later this year. Hopefully, twenty twenty one is going to you know will be back on. Uh, 
track. But you know, you know, this is just a lot of fun. Just uh, talking about things like this, you know, meeting Grandpa Monster and. and (laughs) I I don't. And met all, Batman, uh, met Robin, met Batgirl, met Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Met a lot of them from Batman. And, and and those experiences just really do do stay with you. You know, just you, you grew up with these actors and actresses. We really appreciate you joining with us. And please tune in next week. Both Mark and I will have a great show. Thanks so much for being with us. Good night.